second down, it's Williams up the middle, short of the first. The ball is out. It's scooped up by the Cowboys. On the run, up the field. Alden Smith motoring to the other end, and Alden Smith will take it in for a Dallas touchdown. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Well, the winner of the Andy Dalton Homecoming Revenge Bowl 2020 was Andy Dalton. Congratulations, Andy. Cowboys get a much-needed win, winning in Cincinnati 30-7 against the Cincinnati Bengals, moving to 4-9 on the season, trying to stay in the hunt in this NFC East, but it's getting tougher each and every week. But best of all, this defense stepped up to the plate and made some big plays when they needed to. So we're going to break it all down here at The Athletic and on About Them Cowboys. So welcome in. I'm Kent Garrison, producing reminding you to hit that subscribe. Leave us five stars if you're listening on a podcast app. If you're on YouTube, remember to uh, subscribe, all that stuff, and uh, stick around because we'll be continuing this coverage throughout the offseason. All that trade deadline stuff, all the draft, all that kind of stuff is going to be popping off here pretty soon on the About Them Cowboys podcast. So stick around even as the season winds down. But let's welcome in our panel for this episode. First, Dallas Stars beat writer from The Athletic, but Cowboys aficionado nonetheless, Saad Youssef, the father, the godfather of things of all things Dallas Cowboys at The Athletic, John Mishota, and of course, from the Eagle, Kevin KT Turner. Guys, as we dig into this game, it reminds me, John, of, of something we talked about on the Google brief last week as we ended the week saying, you know, even if this defense dominates this game, I don't know how much of a barometer it will be because of what Cincinnati's putting out there on the field. You know, um, what we needed to see is this defense play well against a really good team down the stretch to gain a lot of confidence. But nonetheless, man, this defense, they shut the door before it was even open and they took advantage of mistakes. And it's exactly what I wanted to see from this defense in this game. And, you know, the offense, of course, scored some points, took advantage of those of those turnovers from Cincinnati. But man, I was very encouraged from what I saw defensively KT. Yeah, no, like, um, look, you should beat the Bengals. Um, this is like uh, my whole issue the whole time. And there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Cowboys fans who wanted to, uh, you know, possibly lose that game. And it's like, um, you realize you're playing like one of like legendary bad teams, like legendary tankers, um, and the Bengals. And they're not necessarily trying to lose, although there were a couple plays, the second fumble in which the guy fumbled off uh, his offensive lineman's butt cheek. And then on the third fumble in which um, Erickson dropped the ball like he had been hitting by a bomb when he had really just been hitting hitting the ankles by uh, Darian Thompson. But no disrespect to the Cowboys defense for finally making some plays. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, give, give the Cowboys credit where credit is due. But also understand that it's the Bengals. And I just... It's just so different if you're the Eagles who went out and beat the Saints today. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's to me where it's, where it's a little different. So just when you want to feel good about getting a win, you're, uh, one of your most hated rivals beats the number one team in the conference. I just, it's hard for me to be like, oh, fire off the confetti cannons. You beat the Bengals. That's where I'm yeah, at. For, for me, and, and Saad, you, you'll probably be able to relate to this. This is one of the most difficult games for me to write a story off of. And it's because they went against a team that they should beat. They showed great effort, but I expected them to show great effort because of what they were coming off the last couple of weeks and their effort was called out and it was, and it was called out by their head coach going into this game. So I expected to see that. And then as KT mentions, there's several plays that I'm like, that's just because they're a really bad team and KT yeah. had on three of them, but I had, I have to add in one more KT and, it's kind of funny the way this all got spliced together here, but they're literally talking about Brandon Allen's dad being in the crowd and he gets them down there. It was like, you know, eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They're down 20 to seven. If this is even Joe Burrow as the quarterback, you're like, this game is not over yet. They get it down there. I want to say it was, it was, it was first and goal from the third or first down on Dallas's 13 yard line. Okay. They score, they score a touchdown, gets called back on a holding. They basically, they're going to go for it. And, Third down throw out in the flat, just terrible. The fourth down throw goes out of the back of the end zone. There's nobody. Oh, even, no. That's your fourth down play. Like, you don't that's even amazing. give anybody a chance to make that play. I'm watching that. I'm just kind of like, 
you don't even give your guy a chance for there to be a pass interference, anything. So it's like, while I'm sitting there, and then like even on the Alden Smith fumble, like you're like, well, you want to give him credit because obviously it was this huge, you know, fumble return and, and, and a huge play for a guy that, you know, has had a, an amazing comeback story this year. But at the same time, it's like a guy ran into his own offensive lineman and fumbled it off of him. Like it was like, this is a really bad team. So it's hard to sit there and, and, and write a story like, ah, they've turned the corner. Like they, I don't know if they've turned the corner off of this one game like this. This is a really bad team that they played against. I will say the offense taking care of the ball was nice. Uh, I would say the way that they moved the ball for most of the game was nice, but there were still times where they didn't execute in the red zone like you would expect against a team like the Bengals. So it, it was just tough to really put it in a category. It's like I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the way this finishes out because if they go out and they win two of their last three or something like that, I'd say, hey, this game was like kind of a turning point. But if they go back to the way they've played previously after they've won a game, then this game really doesn't mean anything other than it's a nice game for Andy Dalton to go back to Cincinnati and kind of stick it to his former team. Yeah, and I think I, I think going off of that, you know, we'll see next week because they play the 49ers, who are another bad team, but they're not awful. So, like, you know, we'll we'll see where the Cowboys are at. But, you know, you talked about Brandon Allen, and then he goes out and Ryan Finley comes in. And, I mean, the guy's taking sacks, I think, on his first two or three plays and then throwing medicine balls, basically, to his receivers, putting them in a hospital. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it's tough when you don't have quarterback play. You have those early turnovers. Uh, but one thing that I did like the Cowboys, what the Cowboys did well was how they were able to get everybody involved, how Andy Dalton was able to get everyone involved. You saw Gallup making plays, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz. You had all the wealth was being spread around. So I think that was legitimately a positive to come out of this game. But I'm with you, John. Like, you know, I, I think you wrote it well. Like, you know, if, if you haven't wrote, written, uh, if you haven't read John's postgame uh, takeaways yet, like, you know, go read that. And I think, you know, you put it well where you're like, yeah, the effort was nice, but it's fair to question why hasn't that been the case? It's effort. Like, you know, you refer to in your story where the announcers were talking about swarming the ball and I even tweeted I was like the effort has been so bad that we are we are we are we are sitting here and I feel like I'm watching a middle school football game where the parents are going oh my god they tried and it's like this is NFL football in December and this is what we're hanging our hat on right now so it kind of goes both ways but you know it's a win you should have had one other point I wanted to make about it was you know, what have they been the absolute worst at on defense? They've been bad on a lot of things, but it's it's been their run defense. And so they held the Bengals to 101 yards rushing. Does that mean, should that be a celebrate? The Bengals have only run for 40 yards in each of their last two games. So is 101 <laughs> a good thing without Joe Mixon? Like, I don't know that 101 is a good thing. They had, I think they had 36 in the first quarter, something like that, 32 in the first quarter. So like, is 101 even... Uh, something that you should, you know, be handing out game balls for? I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, their last two, 40, 40 yards per game. Hey, I mean, look, I'm all about, uh, from a, from the player's standpoint and coaches too or whatever, you take some little victories, that's fine. Now go do it again at San Francisco next week. And again, I feel like I have to like have the mighty disclaimer out there to not like piss off all the Cowboys fans who want them to lose to get a better draft pick. But, like, hey, 49ers are a team that like to run the ball. Right now they're going to have a backup quarterback. But, uh, you know, they're a better team than the Bengals by far, obviously. Hey, go shut down their running game. You know, hold them to 100 yards. and Maybe that's a good thing, like, to hold the, to the 49ers to 100 yards. It's like a one small step for the Cowboys, and what's the next step? Because remember the Vikings were like, one small step for the Cowboys. And then Jalen Smith's like, hey, we're going to run the table. And then you're like, okay, all right. And they come out. <laughs> And they don't – I'm choking. Oh, they don't play well. So this is where I kind of stand. Went out. Went out. Now, John, your uh, post-game article was awesome that Saad referenced earlier. I'm going to reference it again because it was awesome. And you had the quote from McCarthy talking about uh, winning games at the end of the year. And I, I got to be honest. That's I, for you, I, bud. That was for you. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, I actually do believe in that stuff. I don't believe in necessarily like – all like momentum lasting, the roster is going to overchange, uh, overturn. But when things have been so bad, and then you do in in with a with a hint of uh, of good things happening, but good things happening is not going one and three on this final four games. It's not going two and two. Quite frankly, it's not going three and one. It's winning out. 
And I know that gives you a worse draft pick. And the Washington beating San Francisco today really kind of ended everything for the for the most part. I think, you know, if, if San Francisco beats Washington today, then it's kind of still on. <laughs> I'm still talking about the playoffs. Um, it sounds insane, but it's kind of still on. But that win just it feels like it kind of ended it. But he talked about in 2006 how he won the final four games. And then next year they went and it was the famous Brett Favre interception. And uh, uh, But those games... One of those wins was against a 2-12 and Lions team. Uh, only one of those games was against a winning team, and that was in Week 17 against Chicago, who was resting, who was 13-3 and and resting. They weren't trying to win the game. So, like, even those four wins at the end of that 2006 season, like, how much did they mean? You beat some bad teams? I just don't know. Like, you can only play who's on your schedule, right? You got to do better than beating the 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 Bengals and then coming to me and saying, "Look what I just did." So I'm I, I'm I'm fascinated with even though it might seem meaningless, I'm fascinating with the demeanor, the the character on the field, the defensive effort. I'm fascinated to watch that the next three weeks because I do think that matters and I do think that says a lot about the team. And I, quite frankly, there's a lot of dudes on this team who are playing for for a roster spot on an NFL team next year, whether it's this one or another one, they're playing for their futures. They should be, you know, fighting their ass off. And then how bad is it at defensive back, which is all the injuries? Like you're running out of bodies. Like at at one point I was like, who's even going to come in there and play at at corner when, I mean, I saw when they elevated Chris Westry, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just play some special teams. They're just trying to get him up to the roster. And then he had to get out there and play. He didn't play very much, but I mean, it's getting real thin there on the back end, and it's not like they're particularly loaded even when everybody's healthy at, at, at corner. So, um, like I said, it helps that they played the Bengals because they're obviously a bad team. There, there are a lot of issues with that with that ball club, and so it, it, you think that it would kind of propel you into okay, we got to win. Here we go. But like we've seen them win games before. I thought I thought that was going to happen after the Minnesota game. You know, I, you know, there was watermelons being smashed, and I thought that was the turning point and. You know, that got out there. I don't know how that story got out. And then so, uh, like, I, I just thought that that was going to turn everything around. And so now is this the one that does it or do we should we buy in? I, I, I just find it very hard to believe that many Cowboys fans are really buying in after watching that game. Today. Yeah. Did Reggie Robinson have one snap? He's been playing on special teams. I don't know if he got in, though, on, on defense. He might have. He, he might have snuck in there. There were a couple of plays that. You know they were they they were getting guys off the field pretty quick because uh, of random like injuries. You know, uh, Richard Robinson went out a couple times, came back in. Um, Deontay Savion. Burton was in and out. Um, who else did they go with? I'm, uh, I'm, Savion. I'm yeah, yeah, Savion, Savion Smith. Savion uh, Smith. Man, did you see when he tried to punch that ball loose yeah. and immediately? I thought his I thought his wrist or his hand was broken. Like, yeah, I mean, because he went to go punch for the ball and I think. The guy turned and he caught the back of his pad or something like that. I mean, it just really speaks to the whole art of what Charles Tillman did for as long as he did uh, with the Bears. I mean, it's not you can't just sit there and swing and, and expect to knock the ball out every time. But again, you know what? Maybe you can against that Bengals team. I take that back. Yes, you can. Why wouldn't you be doing that against them? Yeah, that's bad. Is, is, it, is Andy Dalton your backup quarterback next year? I was Could just going to ask because I, I if he I wants think- to be. Yeah, yeah, if he I wants to be, I don't think it's on the Cowboys. I think it's more yeah. on Andy Dalton. The way he's been playing, there. the way he's been playing this year, especially down the stretch, you got to think there's a team out there that's going to look for a one-year starter, and and he might be the best option out there that's not already a starter at a team. So, well, I'll um, just he say might this. be better. I, he's probably better than a lot of the starters out there. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't think he's done anything that I didn't expect him to do. He's been pretty much what right. I expected Andy Dalton to be. So, right. the, I don't the know post, if that the post-concussion Dalton has looked like the Dalton we signed up for. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I don't know if that does much to change the way other teams feel about him, but he's been basically the player that I thought he'd be. I mean, when he's had time. You know, having all uh, for all the spots on this team that have been just decimated by injuries, the one that has stayed healthy throughout has been wide receiver. I mean, through their their entire depth chart, because um, I've thought like if a receiver was about to go down, that'd be one place where okay, well then Cedric Wilson comes in or Noah Brown comes in. They actually have pretty good depth there, and they haven't needed that. Uh, so when he's had those weapons out there, he's done a good job spreading the ball around. I mean, he's played like I would expect him to, but it's all about. Is this going to be his best opportunity to be the backup quarterback to Dak Prescott next year? If it is, I think he'll be fine with it, especially with the whole with the family situation, living here, being from the area. I think he would take being the backup quarterback here 
over maybe another spot. But if he thinks he's, if he goes to, let's say there's an opportunity with another team where like he's going to get to play right away because they're bringing a rookie along or he's going to get to contend for the job or something like that. I think he takes that opportunity because whether it be at the beginning of the season, middle of the season, or where we're at right now, Andy Dalton has made it clear that he still believes that he has, you know, a starting career ahead of him uh, for several years. And so if there's an opportunity out there that's better than this one that he has a chance to start, he's taking that over the Cowboys. Yeah. And also the thing is like, I think there's different kind of quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of, in terms of their stature, you have the elite guys. If, if you really want to break it down, you have franchise quarterbacks and you have guys that aren't starting quarterbacks. And, and, and I think now there's this new division of bridge starters. And if you look at it, like Ryan Fitzpatrick is the classic example, but also Look in Los Angeles with the char- Chargers. That's literally why they brought in Tyrod Taylor, right? To to be that guy. Um, and so I think there 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 could be a situation where even Andy Dalton knows he's not going to go there and become this new. Uh, you know, he's not going to become their franchise quarterback, but he'll still be a starter. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't get pulled because he was like awful or anything. It was just it was just to his time. And so I think you know those those positions like what Ryan Fitzpatrick is what Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be before that whole uh, medical fiasco. Um, I think Andy Dalton could have something like that somewhere in the NFL next year. Maybe, maybe somewhere like New York, maybe, well, not New York because Trevor's going to play right away, but maybe whoever gets Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, if you feel like they need like, you know, four five, six games, maybe that team brings them in. I got here. I got one for you, KT. What's a better chance of happening? Andy Dalton being the Cowboys backup next year to Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz being Jalen Hurts' backup next year in Philadelphia? I think Andy Dalton. Because I think I think the Eagles, knowing how aggressive Howie Roseman is, I think they'll find a way to make a trade. And, I mean, you can't help but look at Indianapolis and go, there's Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers on, you know, he's just kind of uh, getting up and down the field there with the walking cane. That feels like that would make a lot of sense if they wanted to go that route. That's a fascinating story to watch, and the Cowboys are going to be a part of that story because they're probably going to get the Eagles led by Jalen Hurts. Um, and, you know, I'm watching Jalen Hurts. Uh, we get to watch a little bit of that Eagles and Saints game today. Well, he's going to miss a lot of throws. Um, but the RPO is in full effect, and it <laughs> confused the Saints defense. But that's that's a fascinating story to watch, absolutely. And the Washington winning today was wild. Alex Smith was hurt, and Dwayne Haskins is back in the game, and he looked awful. Daniel Jones is back. They put up a dud. He couldn't even get rid of the ball. And you're like, man, if you just won two or three games earlier in the year, just two games, like if you snuck one of those out, you would have a chance. And I know it doesn't feel like you'd have a chance to go win a playoff game. I know. I know. It's just you want to see the damage that's been done uh, in terms of draft position. It's actually not as no. bad as you thought. Oh, please, no. Chargers at 4-9 and would, would have the four, the number four pick, um, and that's due to the strength of schedule. That's the tiebreaker that you have with the Chargers. Now, you uh, also at 4-9 and nine is Carolina and, of course, Atlanta, who you beat with the watermelon kick. Um, and that, that Houston Houston is 4-9. and nine. That pick goes to Miami. So Houston's at 4-9, and nine, and then Philadelphia at 4-8-1. and one. So, like... You know, one more win does put you almost like the Giants are five and eight and they have the 10 pick. So if you do get up into the fives, five wins, <laughs> you're going to move out of the top 10. Don't mess around with the fives. And by so the way, water, watermelon is like the official fruit of the Dallas Cowboys season this year. Uh, it is. They need a watermelon sponsorship. The official watermelon of the Dallas Cowboys needs that. It's going to happen, actually. They're gonna have a you watermelon. Guys, what did you guys think of what you guys think of Ezekiel Elliott today? They're getting a 26-yard carry. Thinking he's t- him in the running game or turning the corner. Game on I, the line. Tony Pollard <laughs> in the game, baby. That's why you pay him 90 million dollars. I, I don't bl- I don't fault the Cowboys for that because Pollard is a better option, you know, coming out of the backfield and things like that. But it is really interesting. You don't I mean if you got if you sign a guy for ninety million, now I know he's also banged up and you want to manage that and everything, but if you sign a guy for that kind of money, aren't you hoping that he could execute an eight minute offense down the stretch? But you know, that just goes to show why that contract is what it is. You have to make decisions uh, organizationally, figure out what your philosophies are, what are your core beliefs. 
I, I know we're we're hot on Zeke, and in fact, I had a tweet that was that was quite frankly rude. I, I thought I had a tweet that said that <laughs> Zeke's seventeen yards were instrumental to the team's first half success. But what I'll say is, and I feel the same way about Carolina dealing with Christian McCaffrey. You have this investment, you're out of it. Shelve them. Why? What's the point in giving Zeke more touches? What's the point in giving Christian McCaffrey more touches? I, I mean, like if if like. As a whole, if you're being realistic about your situation, then you shelve them because you are admitting that running backs, the more they, t- uh, more of a load they take, the worse they are. Like, it's just, it's just kind well, of. Hold on, then. Gonna, if you, but they don't look. If you at, wanted, they don't look at it that way. But if you do that, then then you got to sit down Amari Cooper and you got to sit down CD. Lam- I mean, if you're sitting down but, investments like that, then, well, then who are you about, playing? It's not about investments. It's about that position. It's about that position being way more uh, different. I mean, the, just look at the the history and the and the drop offs of guys. Somehow Adrian Peterson can stay in the league and <laughs> be a goal line back for the Lions. Um, but like, it's just like, if we're being realistic about the, the investment, the extension hasn't kicked in yet. I'm shelving the guy, and it's fine. It's not personal. It's like, dude, we you're our guy next year. Let's let's get healthy, rest up, heal. Be safe. You know, you've already got COVID once. Don't get it again. Uh, you know, like, have a good off season. you know. Uh, but let's come back in the best shape of your life in 2021, and and, and you're our guy. Like, that's how I feel. And that's it's, I'm, I'm, I'm being specific to that position. I might be careful with Leighton Vander Esch, too. I might be careful with Leighton. Now, I know at some point you start running out of bodies, uh, you know, at linebacker. But that's kind of how I would be attacking it. But I, I I don't think the Cowboys are that advanced in the way they think about things. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's trying to get back on the field, having a bad back, having a bad quad, and I'm like, you don't need to play. Like, just you're out of it. Next year, you're still one of the best players in the league. It was like Like, Deshaun Watson today. Yeah, yeah. Why? He got hit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's 33 to 7. My question for you guys is do you guys think Zeke gets it back or, or, or goes back to being a top caliber running back in this league. Cause I don't think it happens. I mean, yeah, if he gets the offensive line back, um, because it did show on that one run. I mean, when he did have space, I mean, it was a decent run. I don't know that. I don't know. I thought that was pretty, uh, it was a pretty good indicator that if you get him, if you get him some space, like he had in previous seasons that he can still get the job done for you. I don't know that, you know, he's a top five back, but I think that he can still be, a really valuable piece to this offense, especially coupled with if you get Dak fully healthy and all those receivers. Yeah, I think I think you're in good shape there with all those guys. And heck, like I've said before on here, with all the experience these backup offensive linemen are getting, that like even if they do suffer some injuries next year, as long as it's not as bad as it was this year, which it seems like this year on the offensive line injuries should be an outlier. You shouldn't be having that every year. But if you get Zach Martin back, Lyle Collins, Tyron Smith. You know, I think Connor McGovern has played well this year. Uh, you probably will be moving Tyler Biotish into that starting center spot. Then, yeah. No, I mean, I think that you, you should have. And you know what's kind of crazy, too, is that Zeke's still pretty much on pace to run for 1,000 yards this year. And that used yeah. to be, like, such a barometer of, like, running backs, you know, that, oh, can a, can a guy get a 1,000-yard season? How many 1,000-yard seasons has a guy had? And I mean, he's going to have to play through all 16 weeks to get it, but there's a chance he still ends up getting 1,000 yards this year. So, yeah, with another... With that offensive line back, I think yeah, I think I think he's fine. Yeah, I think I'm going. I, I think Zeke can be a good running back. I just don't think he can. I just don't think he's he he's special. And, and and the thing is, is he's always going to be measured to that contract. That's where he's kind of at a disadvantage because that's how a lot of people, including including a lot of us, are going to measure him. That doesn't mean he's not a good football player. And and like John said, not a valuable part of this team. He can still be that. And that contract can still be terrible. So it, both can be true at the same time. And he'll be compared to that. He'll, the contract and then also how others are playing at that position. You know, So yeah. if Dalvin Cook is having another season like he's having right, he, right now, obviously Derrick Henry's put together multiple big seasons. You know, However McCaffrey plays when he comes back, you know, a lot of that stuff factors in. You know? it just, it's, it's an interesting position because to take it away from Zeke for a second, like I never would have thought that like Leonard Fournette would be where he's at right now. Like I thought Leonard Fournette was going to come in the NFL and be an absolute monster. There's nothing about what he did at LSU that would, that would have made you have think or made you have thought otherwise, really. 
and that's why he was drafted so high. I mean, it just, I don't know, the position just across the board is just, it, you can't expect to have a guy for a long period of time playing at a very high level. It just, those Emmett Smith, you know, Barry Sanders, even Adrian Peterson, like you mentioned, those days are just, I don't, I don't know if those are coming back. I don't know if that, you know, I think the game's just changed to where you're not going to see that very much. I think you just verified my original point of like, if they're not going to be around as long, then maybe shut them down. Three more weeks, what's it matter? Uh, but I mean, it's not, hey, it's not like you're playing primetime TV. On, this game, you got flexed out of the of the primetime game. He's, hey. He is their most vocal guy. He's their, with Dak yeah. gone, I, I think he's like one of their top leaders uh, that's, that's had to take over some of that mantle. And so how are you sitting that guy down when he's coming to you and saying that he wants to continue playing, like what yeah. does that do for you? I, I mean, especially in a situation. I mean, you don't want to lose the locker room over something like that, you know. I mean, that if he wants to keep playing, you have to keep playing as Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, especially if you're McCarthy, who probably needs to do as many things as possible to win over people in the locker right. room, just because you haven't, you know, been around very long. Look at the numbers: Zeke sixth in the league in rushing yards. I know that's not the uh, you know the metric that you'd probably look at. Uh, but in terms of rush total rushing yards, sixth in the league, ahead of Josh higher, Jacobs, higher than ahead I of Aaron Jones, ahead of Nick Chubb, yeah, um, trailing Kenyon Drake, Ronald Jones, James Robinson, Dalvin Cook, and then of course Derrick Henry at fifteen hundred yards. And I'm not going down the 2016 path. We are not having that discussion. I mean, either. there's just not a lot of guys there that really blow you away. Like I, I mean, there's a lot yeah. more wide receivers in the NFL that. I'm now now that most teams are playing, you know, three out on the field at the same time. But still, it's just like when I look at that list, it's not like it's not like the running back list when we were younger. Let's put it that way, where you would go 10, 15 deep of guys. You're like, damn, you know, that can be your lead back and you can give that guy, you know, all of your carries and you're fine. Like it's I don't know. know, Schultz and Blake Bell. um, I'm great having them back. Obviously, Bell's, uh, you know, will be a free agent. And you can find blocking tight ends, but like I, I'm perfectly fine with them coming back. Blake Jarwin will be back. We had this uh, discussion on, a, on another show I do, uh, um, uh, we were talking about okay, so what happens if you're not happy with the defensive players? Would you consider drafting a tight end? But like, we're all good no. at tight end. We're all set there, right? I was just gonna say, like I, I mean, with going back to the Zeke point, like they can go even run heavier next year now that they know that they have another solid pass catcher in Dalton Schultz. I mean, that one ball that Andy Dalton threw up to him today in the first half was like a jump ball in between three guys. I mean, yeah. that shows just so much confidence in that guy there. It's not like, the, I mean, especially for the, in, in the red zone where the Cowboys have had so many problems for him to throw it up there just shows you how much faith he's got in Dalton Schultz. So when you have Dalton Schultz and then you get Blake Jarwin back, I mean, you can do a lot more 12 personnel and run and, and pass out of that package as well. Now, obviously, you're not going to lean on that more than 11 because you want to have Gallup and Amari and CD on the field. But no, I, I man, I have no interest in drafting a tight end anywhere early in the draft, maybe in the later rounds or something like that. But no, I think that that's one of the bright spots that have come out of this season is that you're deeper at tight end than maybe you thought you were coming into this season. I think you're probably as good at tight end as you are on any position not named wide receiver on this team. I mean, there's an argument to be made that that might be the strongest position outside of wide receiver for you. You know, I was thinking, too, about, you know, where this team's attitude will be going the next three weeks. Uh, Obviously, you know, I know Zeke had some comments like, hey, we're still in it. Uh, Michael Gallup, even last week, was like, hey, it's all right in front of us. Go get it. Uh, Again, I still think that Washington win to get them to six wins does change things a little bit. Um, but do you think there's been at any point in the season in the second half some type of um, I know I know look today's a, a win right uh, over the Bengals and then the Vikings game is really the last one you can kind of point to it just hadn't been enough wins but do you think you have seen a gradual okay there's here's reality Garrett's gone this is the new regime do you think that's something like there was some like moment that like happened that's like we're the team started buying in a little more. I mean, Darian Thompson's quote about, hey, we vowed this week to fly around. Like, I, I I, tried my best to not be cynical about it. But the easy thing to do, and you wrote about it, Jonathan, the easy thing to do is go, yeah, but you should have vowed to fly around last week. Like, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you vow to do that then? Um, I guess what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is, would this team have been better off if like Rod Marinelli was still here? Or is this, well, you know, yeah, I don't know. of course. Of course, I don't. But here's here's the thing that you would argue against that if you, you know, let's say you're you're very pro this coaching staff and you want to defend this mm-hmm. coaching staff, you could just make the argument that 
yeah, they would have been better this year with that same staff, but where was that getting you? Like, you're not advancing anywhere. They they know that that wasn't going to work the way that they had that. Like, there was nothing about that that made you feel like they were knocking on the door of a Super Bowl. That's the whole reason there was a coaching staff change. And so, you know, like when Mike McCarthy talks about it, he talks about, you know, putting his system into place and it takes time and things like that. So I, I do think that the guys have bought into that. Like, yeah, things have changed. But at the same time, with how bad things have been, like guys can say that they don't, you know, they're not listening to this show or, or reading what we write or, or, or paying attention to what's on Twitter. But you don't think those guys don't hear from whether it be family members or whoever that like, man, is this coaching staff on a hot seat? Things like that. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, that's been one of the biggest topics about the Cowboys. on I, I feel like any show that talks about sports for like several weeks now, maybe even more than, you know, a couple months. So there has to be in the back of their minds like, hey, this this staff, I know it's a new one, but they're not going to be here very long because this isn't working out. You know, I mean, they could certainly have those feelings, um, but I think there's a good chance they'll be ended this offseason because I don't think Mike McCarthy is going anywhere. You know, I saw Ian Rep- Report had that report out this morning that, you know, uh, he's I mean, Mike McCarthy's got at least another season. Uh, he's not going anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see how the buy in is next year. This this year, again, like coming off this game, I wish I could sit there and say, I saw this today and this happened. And and so this is what, what this team is now. Like it, it, It's really not like that at all. I mean, to a certain extent, KT, like you said earlier, like those Packers teams that he was talking about that one in 2006, like even if they win a couple of these games down the stretch, I don't know if you're going to sit there and say, yep, this team's ready to build on that. I, I see them being just like those uh-huh. Packers and going 13 and three next year. Like, okay, they can win two out of the last three and, and still go eight and eight or nine and seven next year. Or they can lose out and still go eight and eight or nine and seven next year. I mean, that's kind of what I think that they're going to be is right around there. Just like I thought they were going to be this year if everybody stayed healthy. So I don't, I don't know. Me personally, I don't see it bouncing from this to what it was in Green Bay to going three and thirteen and winning the Super Bowl. I think it was two, three years after that. Yeah, I personally don't see that, but I can see how if you experience that as a coach, how that would be a talking point. Like Mike McCarthy said, it was this week in practice that are in their meetings that he said. That, you know, he laid it out for him. This is what they did his first year in Green Bay. If you were a part of that, why wouldn't you use that as a tool? Yeah, and I think, you know, like John said, it, it you know, even with the previous regime, it, it, even if it wouldn't be this bad or if it would be just this bad or whatever, um, it wasn't going to get you anywhere. And you can look at that because, like KT, you've talked about, Jason Garrett, his stay was already uh, extended way too long. And actually... If you want to look on the other side, the team that the Cowboys played literally tonight, same thing happened with Marvin Lewis, right? Always going to the playoffs the first round every year. That's why Marvin Lewis was there for so long, and Andy Dalton as well. That's why he was there, because he kept getting them to the playoffs. But they weren't going to get to the next level with Marvin Lewis, with Andy Dalton, so they had to move on, make drastic changes. I don't know if the buy-in to McCarthy and that regime has happened yet, uh, like John said, I'm not I'm not going to look at the Bengals and say this was the changing point. Hey, if they win both of their remaining division games, maybe we can have that conversation. It's it's almost like when uh, you know the first turnover, it's Demarcus Lawrence making a play, and I was like, okay, yeah, Demarcus Lawrence made a play. But I'm used to seeing that. It's almost like I was sitting there going, man, I wish that was Dorrance Armstrong making that play, or, or you know, or some or someone like who you're, might be in question about their. Their future, and I would love to see Bradley and I be active. Uh, but um, like uh, the Alden Smith touchdown, always obviously good news. What do you guys think the market is for for Alden Smith? The likelihood that he would be retained here? And obviously, I mean, look, it's good when he scores a touchdown. Obviously, for you score, but like we could be talking about a comp pick in the future or that you could maybe get back if he signs somewhere in free agency. Like, there's multiple ways that. You could turn Alden Smith into a positive. That's been one of the bit the best storylines of the year so far for the Cowboys. Is Alden Smith has you know had a, a really a resurgence in his career, but I'm sitting here going, I, I kind of want him back next year, but I don't want to you know like you know it, it, like the best thing the Cowboys did was not sign Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn has not been good in Chicago. It's like I don't want to make a mistake, but if he's cheap, let's keep Alden Smith here. You have any any feel for what the market would be for him? I really don't, and I would. I find it hard to believe that anybody does, and I yeah. say that for several reasons. One being the fact that 
We don't really even know what the salary cap's going to be next season yet. That's still kind of yet to be determined. So that's obviously a major factor. And then the other is just this past off season where now, obviously I'm not saying Everson Griffin was as good as Alden Smith, but look how long Everson Griffin lasted as a free agent. Look how long JW and Clowney lasted as a free agent, but then look at how fast Robert Quinn was picked up. So it's like, I could see it either way. I could see a team being fascinated with what they've seen from Alden Smith because maybe their front office was like, oh, I can't believe the Cowboys are bringing back Alden Smith. The guy hasn't played forever. He's not going to do anything. And then they watched him. They were like, damn, we could use him in a variety of ways in our scheme. Like, I didn't think he was going to still be that good. And then they're willing to, like, pay quite a bit. Or maybe there's, you know, teams that are like, yeah, I'd still like to see another season before I believe that and maybe aren't as willing to commit as much. So I think it's still a tough call to project either way. I mean, you know, if he stayed on that same path that he, or, he, or that same run that he was on earlier in the year, we had like the three sacks against Seattle. And let's say he was in double digit sacks right now. Uh, maybe that'd be a little bit different, but I'm not, I don't know. Like it's, it's tough for me to say if, if someone's going to be willing to come in there and spend a lot. And, and frankly, it really comes down to just the fact that like we've seen in the past with like Cowboys free agents, it only takes one team that's like really blown away with the guy that's going to give him big money. doesn't mean that every single team really wants to sign him that much, you know? So I think that factors in. And then also, and this is not knowing off the top of my head because I don't know every other roster. The other thing I'll factor in is just what other edge rushers are available. And if that class isn't that great and he's the one of the top edge rushers available, then yeah, he's going to make a lot of money and that won't be in Dallas. Yeah. And I think one other factor to add on to everything John said is this is what makes Alden, I, I think, a little harder to read as well. He's going to be 32 at the start of next season, but he also didn't play for five years. So he's getting up there in age, but he doesn't have the mileage. So, you're, I mean, a team's going to have to read how they're going to read that. Is I mean, do you look at – he's a year and a half younger than Robert Quinn is. So, you know, take that for what you will and kind of you have to make your own determination if, you know, you're going based on the, off the mileage or you're going based off the age, which he's going to be 32 when the season starts next year. So that's something I think teams are going to have to consider as well. John, before the game, you had a tweet, and you followed John on Twitter at John Machota, M-A-C-H-O-T-A. But no H on John. Um, and you said, here's the expected Cowboys defensive starters today. I'm going to name them off real quick. How many of these guys are starting for the Dallas Cowboys next year? Demarcus Lawrence, Neville Gallimore, Antoine Woods, Alden Smith. Your linebackers, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith. Your corners, Jordan Lewis, Rashard Robinson, and Savion Smith. And your safeties, Xavier Woods and Darian Thompson. How many of those guys are starting for the Dallas Cowboys next season? I feel comfortable with saying three for sure. Okay. And but that, I don't think I'd go any higher than five. So three is Demarcus Lawrence, Leighton Vander Esch, and Jalen. I was going to go Neville Gallimore. Oh, really? Oh, you think? Okay. Well, Tristan Hill will be I back. just don't know what they're going to do in this offseason at defensive tackle. And I know that's with Tristan Hill. You can't see it being Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore being those two no. starting defensive tackles. Like, I, where are they getting a a, a, a defensive tackle? Like, especially because of all the playing time that he has gotten this year, which is obviously more than they were expecting him to get. Like, I think they're going to feel pretty comfortable with him being one of those guys. If this draft was set up differently, now again, a lot can change because, you know, when I the last time I had talked to Dane about it, it was really just focusing on the first round, and and he hasn't changed on that on really not being a first round DT in this draft, but maybe there's a guy in the second or third round, but I still don't think that guy steps in over Neville Gallimore just because of the experience he's gotten this year. So yeah. And then, the, so those would be the three. And then to push it to five, I was going to say Jalen, cause there's still is a good, good chance Jalen starts and he, and you know, he's still back here next year, especially with that contract. And then the other sleeper would be again, and this is because of the draft would be Xavier Woods. And that's if he's, if there's just a really team friendly deal out there and they don't really, you know, they've clearly shown you that they don't want to spend big on safety anyway. Like if that guy's not in the draft, then you can't completely rule out Xavier Woods and Donovan Wilson being their two starting safeties next year. I mean, I know everyone listening to this wants them to upgrade there. I just don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah, I think I agree with all the guys that John mentioned. And then, you know, the guy that we just talked about like two minutes ago, I think Alden is also a wild card. If he's back, he I, I think he starts. But other than that, it's the three that I was going to go with is the three that KT listed right off the bat, which was Lawrence, 
Leighton Van Der Esch, and Jalen Smith. I could see Neville Gallimore. Um, I wasn't really Xavier Woods wasn't even really on my radar, but you know John makes a compelling argument there. Like I, I you know they not only have the Cowboys never made it a priority, but I don't know how much of a market there is and where you're going to go get the safeties, even if you choose to make it a priority, because it's just not there, there's just not a lot out there. So um, you know I, I think it, it also depends on you know when you're addressing the secondary, where do you start? Like are you trying to go corner or are you trying to go safety? And I think you're going to go corner. If you if you have to choose between those two and let the safeties kind of figure it out because you have better options at safety than corner because my God KT the corners that you listed off there should not be on an NFL roster maybe on a practice squad that's about it. It's really maddening to me that that we can't get Reggie Robinson some snaps, but I I have it's more personal I guess I was looking at my 2019 draft board or whatever. And I had a second round grade on Reggie Robinson, so like I mean, I love the guy. And I'm like, why do I don't understand why he's not allowed to play? I don't understand. Um, there's so many theories on Twitter, like punchlines on Twitter, like did he stab someone in McCarthy's family, or is he like, yeah, why is he allowed to play? Um, you know, no, real I, quick, I, real quick, real quick. Let's let's say I want to stick on safety because of just one thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Watching a guy today that I followed for the last few years, just from afar, just because I had heard his name and, and heard that he was supposed to be a pretty good upside safety, and it's obviously panned out is Jesse Bates from Cincinnati, yeah. and I th- I still think his best ball is probably ahead of him. So Jesse Bates was taken. I just looked it up. Uh, four picks after Connor Williams in 2018. Would you rather have Connor Williams or Jesse Bates right now? I mean, Connor Williams has been the only guy who's been there for you all year long on that offensive line. Um, you know, what I would like to do, John, if I, if I could just change your options that you just gave me. Uh, I would have done Thornhill. Uh, but, you know, uh, but that's, you know, at the time, the, the way the story goes with the coaches kind of having so much say-so and all that stuff, I'm interested in how much the coaches are going to have say in, in the next draft as well. Uh, we, I don't think we know enough based on one draft with McCarthy. And most likely, uh, a big chunk of the defensive staff is different next year. <laughs> it's a, I don't really get that vibe. I don't think Mike Nolan saves this. Um, well, hey, uh, let's stick on that topic real quick then because, you know, you go back to how many of these guys are starting. Like, how does Alden Smith look if they bring in a new defensive coordinator that's strictly 4-3? And they go with their four three base. Like I, I still think he can play uh, as as your opposite DN. But maybe that defensive coordinator feels like no, let's go in another direction. And and the reason why I'm saying this is because he's not under contract beyond this season. If the new defensive coordinator is like, nah, we're better fit using this guy or somebody else. Like that yeah. could change some things up too. So that factors in as well. Like what is that new defensive coordinator if they go in another direction? How is that going to be? You know, is it going to be? a strict strict four three like we've seen in previous seasons or are they going to go back to saying it's going to be multiple again where i mean to be honest with you i still can't even tell you if this defense this year is is a four three or a three four they do look yeah. both ways it is a hybrid the problem is that neither of them are really anything special i i want my organization to have a philosophy though like i want them to say it and i just don't know if you have that leadership above like I, I, I mean, this, what do you I, think is yeah, easier to draft for? Like I said, three, four, the jump, four, I would three. like, I would like Jerry or Steven who, who are in charge to say, we want to be a three, four and then mix it up and have some looks. If that's what they want, commit to it and go get the best coach who does that scheme. Like it's, well, why wouldn't you just want to get the best coach simple. and let him do it then? Well, and I'm, I'm okay with that as well, but I don't like flip flopping back and forth and, and getting yourself right. in, in personnel holes. And well, for me, it goes back to DeMarcus Lawrence and I, and it'll always be that way for me. Demarcus Lawrence is is your biggest investment. I, I mean, I know there's tons of people out there that want him to have more sacks for what they're paying him, but his motor is ridiculous. He is an outstanding defensive lineman. Um, he's your best player, and it's and for me, it's not even close. You should be building around him. And w- what else is not close is the fact that he's a way better player in a four three than a three four. So I feel like that's what you should start from and then build out from. Uh, I mean, until this DAC contract gets done. Demarcus Lawrence remains the highest paid player in Dallas Cowboys history. You'd think that you'd build around him. You wanted to build around Dak with a lot of the pieces you've done all the way through to your offensive coordinator with Kellen Moore. Why wouldn't you be trying to put the best possible system around Demarcus Lawrence? I think that's an yeah. excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. And, you know, 
not all, not only him, but you look at the other players on this defense when they started having success, you know, before Leighton got hurt and, you know, Jalen especially was in that other scheme. So, you know, if you want to capitalize on these investments, yeah, maybe that's the move to make. What do you think, though, KT? What do you think is easier to draft for? A 3-4 or a 4-3? I, I think it's easier because now you're seeing more guys who are kind of like that 250-pound, like, tweener types. Yeah, and like you see you that see in college a lot those. more, too. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's also hard because some of these guys are um, are developing and they're 20 years old, you know, and they're still growing. Like, there's a guy from Miami, and, and some people don't really like him very much. His name's Gregory Rousseau, and he... He could be a candidate to be drafted by this team. We should talk about him. But he plays defensive end. But he's also he lines up at defensive tackle, and he's six foot seven, and he's two hundred fifty pounds. And sometimes he wins the way David Irving would win, you know, in the middle. Uh, and sometimes he wins off the edge. And sometimes he absolutely gets beat because he's too tall, he's too high. And there are people who say he's still growing, and he could be six eight or six nine by the time he's fully uh, done growing. Um, and I'm just like, I don't know what I do with that guy. But aren't we adjusting players to the scheme? Are we doing that, adjusting the scheme to the players? Like that, I thought that's kind of what we talked about. Yeah, I, sh- I, I feel like you're just kind of you get in this world where you're just kind of grasping at straws. And if we are, if we are going um, to what Jerry and Stephen, what they believe in, like I asked for, maybe that's maybe I'm a I'm a dummy for saying that because Jerry and Stephen clearly believe in uh, investing in linebackers and running backs, like the positions that kind of have less value over time, you know? So they, I, they kind of want to play 90s ball. <laughs> I will say that me personally, and you guys jump in if you think I'm wrong in this, I think saying that you are going to fit the scheme to the players was a mistake. And the reason I say it is because what other team that's good defensively do you not know really what their base scheme is? Like, I feel like it's pretty known. Now, Now Baltimore is obviously very multiple, but they're a 3-4, and it's pretty clear. And so to sit there and say that you're going to be multiple like that, like this team's been, and then you get the results that you got, like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like they know what their identity is. I, I, want, I would want my defense to have an identity and know this is what we're going to be. Now, that doesn't mean I completely, you know, neglect drafting certain positions, but I think that you have to, you have to kind of, you know, be forthcoming on like, this is what we want to do. And so you kind of have everybody pulling in, in the right direction, whether it just be coaches, but scouts, everybody in the draft process. Like, I don't know, like this is the only team I've, I've gotten a chance to go off of this whole like hybrid. We don't know, like we're not, we're not a three, four, but we're not a four, three. We're, we're both like, and it's obviously not working out well. So why keep going down this path? Just why not just adapt to, this is what we're going to be. We're going to learn what this base thing is. And when everybody has learned this base thing and we do that well, then we can do variations off of it yeah, as but opposed I think, to the way they've went about it this way. Yeah, but I think, John, there's two things to that. It's, are, are you talking about coaching or are you talking about player personnel and, and getting players? Because I agree with you when you're talking about coaching and, like, you know, once you hit OTAs in the summer, I agree. You should have an identity and something that you're doing. But with player personnel – you don't want to draft Taco Charlton over TJ Watt. So you you want to make sure that you have flexibility in the player personnel department, but maybe not so much in the coaching department. So I think there's two there's two different, you know, when you talk about what are the Dallas Cowboys, sure, in the summer and through the fall, they can be one thing, but when it's time in the spring, uh, you know, you gotta be flexible and leave it open. I just when I see Alden Smith standing up and I see Demarcus Lawrence at his best with his hand in the ground, I just ask, can someone and 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 it could be out there. I don't know. I'm I'm being serious. I'm just asking. Where has that worked? Who's done that before? Tell me a successful team that's done that. I just want to see the example. I just want to know who has done that, where they've had what you could argue are their two best defensive players being a better fit for two different schemes. And trying to play them together all the time and it having tremendous success. Like, I just want to know who that that is. I would love to hear. No, no, no. I I, I, think, I think it's a great point. And you talk about how this team's like invested in the defense with, you know, a lot of teams are, are now moving towards paying their cover guys and maybe not as much uh, paying their defensive linemen. That's discussions we can have uh, as we continue to move forward because uh, Lord knows we will be evaluating this defense for a while. Until uh, we can get this straight. Uh, but they did get a win today. So, hey, hat tip to the Cowboys. Even if you wanted them to lose, 
They got a good win. Hey, it's it's fun to win. Let's just admit it. Uh, Cowboys beat the Bengals 30-7. to uh, Those poor Bengals. My goodness. They will be taking Pinay Sewell with the third pick in the draft. Uh, they want him so bad that they they dropped the ball. I think the third fumble they dropped it. I, I, I truly believe that. No, I hey, real quick. What's the, final, what's the final score? What's the final score with a healthy Joe Burrow? I mean, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be that big of a difference. It's still it a is. bad team. Hey, it's still a bad team. He was just the first pick in the draft. He's had to go through a pandemic. He hasn't had a chance to really get acclimated to his offense. Go on, go on. I they think it's a nail. I think, hey, I think it's a nail biter all the way down to the end. I agree because they're they they're not running the ball that much. I'm serious, but, like yeah. There's enough evidence of them being competitive until he got. That's what it. I'm saying. Yeah. I don't yeah. think that this game is 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 a. Blowout like that. And you can make all those same COVID arguments for a rookie quarterback. That's a lot to be putting on his plate, too. Yeah, and sure. I, and I, I seriously believe that if he if he was playing in that game without without injuries, building the way that he has throughout this rookie year, it's still not a good team around him. OK, but I, I think it's I think it's a really good game. And, it, and it's and it's a coin flip in, in the fourth quarter. All right, let's get out of here. We're going to be back later in the week because we got to get you ready for Cowboys 49ers. I mean, just a classic NFL matchup, 90s teams, you know, going at it. Uh, we're going to get you ready noon for that game. One. Noon, yeah, noon, just like the old days. Wait, no, it wasn't like yeah. that. It was weird hearing Joe Buck and T- Troy Aikman and uh, Tony Romo and, and Jim Nance today, at no- both in the noon <laughs> slot. It was, it was What's odd. happening with that? Whoa, it was very weird. You guys got, Crazy. You, do you guys got a problem with Chris Spielman? Um, Lions great, Chris Spielman. I think he's real bad. I'll, I'll say it. That's at KT <laughs> Fun Tweets on on Twitter, by the way. Yeah, yeah come at me. Tweets. I don't. I mean, look, there ain't many sure. good ones. If we're being honest. Uh, I mean, I just watch Mark Schlereth out there. Even Schlereth's like, hey man, if I got a generic thing, I'm gonna throw it out there. I'll say it. I'll say it. Football analysts are generic. Did. Well, most of them are generic. They need to say some more crazy stuff on there. Just like go wild at there. Well, I'd like to see the swinging gate right here. I think that's that could really. You know catch who's available to do color commentary? Kevin KT Turner. Come at me. There you Let's go. Yeah, because hey, when the because when the show's over, I'm about to tell you a guy that's a perfect fit for what you just said, and you don't like that guy, so I know you don't want him calling games. Who me? Yeah, I'm gonna, when this show's over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up a name of somebody that would do the swinging gate stuff exactly what you said, and you do not want that person calling games. Okay. Oh, right. well, let's, uh, let's wrap it. <laughs> I like Pat McAfee. Fine. Okay. I like Pat I'm McAfee. I'm fine with Pat McAfee. I just I the know that you're not the biggest fan. to man. do. He's got a lot of shows to record in that. Let's get out of here. <laughs> right, for we'll be back. Yourself, we'll be back. For Father John Mashoda, for our producer Kent Garrison, we're going to be back later in the week to get you ready for the 49ers, and uh, we'll talk uh, everything that you want to talk about. You know, so uh, holler at us on uh, social media at John Mashoda at Saad Yusuf. At Kent Garrison, I'm uh, at KT Fun Tweets, and we'll see you next time on another edition of About Them Cowboys. Go Cowboys! Y'all stay Corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>